right, what's going on? Welcome to Canal and Bell on this Wednesday, Hump Day. Uh, monster show. We got a ton of NFL news to get to. A lot of drama. We've had Baker, Odell. We're going to get to uh, recap that, get up to speed there. Daniel Jones has responded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Chip Patterson is going to join us to help us break down the Big Ten. We've taken a different Power Five conference every single day this week. Today it's the Big Ten. He's going to help us break that down. And it's Wednesday, the new and improved and expanded shoe showdown. Boom. So I hope you brought your A game today I'm for in that. My A-game, Before dog. we dive into the NFL, Quick question for you. What is your sleeping temperature in your house? Just curious. 71, yeah. 70, 71. That's what I've seen most people. I think that's kind of a common yeah. theme that's yeah. out What's, there. Why? What do you, why do you well, ask? there was a, um, a report that was put out yesterday, and there was Energy Star, which okay. is a government-funded program. They put out some statistics on where they think they you should keep your home, where you should sleep. Yeah. 74, 75. Keep 76, going. 76, 77. 82. What? They said, I was like, well, this nah. is not wintertime trying to be here. They don't live in Florida. No, like exactly. That, they can't, they can't live anywhere, no, though, even living in Connecticut. 82 is absurd. So their recommendation, this is from Energy Star, yeah. and they were trying to say, hey, the best optimal temperature for, I guess you only look at one aspect. If you're just looking to cut costs, Cor- you right. might as well just Correct. turn Correct. off your AC. It's not going to run any time yeah. to be 82. It said 82 at night when you sleep. It said your walk around temperature should be 78, which I don't even think that's, that's a little warm. high. And then it said when you leave your house all day, 85. But like if you do that, it's going to take forever down here in Florida that's to ridiculous. warm up. It just seemed way over the top. It's ridiculous. People Optimum, were all upset about it. I was too. I'm like, this is absurd. That is absurd. Optimum sleeping temperature per a sleep, like whatever he calls himself, counselor, 69 degrees. Yeah. Like, you want teams to get to sleep? We did this with the Cavs. You know, they told the front office, like, look, if you guys are organizing these guys stay, you want them to get to bed right away when they check into the hotel at two in the morning, have everybody's thermostat set at 69. They went through all the things you do. That's optimum sleeping temperature. I got a bootleg house, man. My house, the AC is so bad. It's old. It's worn down. I can't even get it. I go 72 and at you night. Can't, yeah, I hear you. And it won't get there until about 3 a.m. <laughs> and like, if I wanted to get, I don't even know if I could get to 68, 69 degrees. Right. I just don't know if my thing would blow. Like it would, like the, the thing would the, shut down. Yeah, short it would circuit freeze on over or whatever it does. Right. I don't even know how that works but yeah i thought that was an interesting story those people are crazy though 82 is out of your mind when it looks out you know who else might be out of his mind huh. odell beckham jr come on bro Leave man, odell. what do you mean bro he cannot get over it you gotta keep he it just, moving he just but what'd he say all right so he was talking about him being traded to cleveland right he's mentioned it several times this offseason because he Can't just resist. got traded to cleveland yeah but this was like a, six months ago we've okay. been there it's not like it was last week he had some comments from Sports Illustrated. He said, this wasn't no business move. This was personal. Danny, if someone they poses thought they'd the question. They thought they'd send me here to die. If someone poses that question to you, are you not supposed to address the no. question? No. Here's what you say. I got traded. Let's move on. Let's keep it moving. In your words, let's keep it moving. Odell needs to keep it moving. He didn't take a shot at the Giants, though. He did, too. He said it was personal. It, and I, it, it was personal. But who do you think made it personal? It doesn't matter. That wasn't the it question. It was his own undoing. He- that wasn't the question, though. The que- like if if he believes it to have been personal, which which I do most times, you know, in a trade like that, when 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 
the employee has been less than like stellar. Yes. It is personal, and that's okay. It's fair to say that it was personal. But you're just you're throwing ammunition. You're throwing fuel on the fire. You're like, what? What is the purpose? Again, this Browns team, I think, is going to implode this season. I I was so high on the Browns. Now I'm so down on them. I can't stand this team. They're becoming unlikable. I could. Their fans are even worse. Who came after us yesterday? I should have. <laughs> I should have anticipated. They came at who yesterday? Us? No, well, me. They came at you. <laughs> but we say nothing about the Browns. A, but you kind of agreed with me on Baker Mayfield that it was foolish. We're going to do that in just a second. Before I do that, I want to cap it off on Odell. I do think Odell just come to grips with, yeah, it was personal, but it's your own fault. I guarantee you the Giants would have loved for that contract, which they paid him and re, you know gave him the new right. contract. I guarantee you they would have loved for him to finish his career as a Giant, put up Hall of, Hall of Fame numbers. On their terms. And well, no, not on their terms. On their, it was their money. They're writing the no, checks. But on, on their but, terms in terms of how he had well, to, how, yes, how he needed yes, to project himself and yes, how he, what like, he needed to say to the media. Like a mature and, teammate and being somebody who's supportive and doesn't throw other teammates under the bus and question play calling. Half the NFL does that. Yeah, but to buy me a championship team that does. They don't. How many Patriots we you refer, see calling out the we playbook? We refer to Pittsburgh as a championship team. They're not anymore. Doesn't. They're trash. That's why they fell apart. And we criticized Ben Roethlisberger, and he deserved it. Listen, I've got experience with this. I've said it on air before. I know a general manager. I don't need to say his name again. Who sent one of the better players in the league to a destination out of spite because he thought he deserved it? It happens all the time. Yeah. Oh, this. This is why he is right. And it was. A, it was. A, it did it become was a personal. Right. I don't think, but again, I think it was his own fault. I'm not he saying he wasn't personal. culpable in it. Right. I don't know that it was entirely his fault. The Giants have been a mess. Yes, true. Right. Dave Gettleman has a big ego too. I'm not I'm not in love with him as a general manager, and it's probably his way or the highway. There's probably uh, some fine line there. Um, the reason the Browns fans were after me is we did our conversation on Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. and to be fair to us, the news had just broke. And it's kind of like it was just fresh off the press, and we're yeah. still gathering information. We literally were just reading the article from GQ as we came on air. But I thought even with that being said, I thought we were fair in saying, hey, maybe Baker Mayfield didn't mean to throw Daniel Jones under the bus. My thing with Baker Mayfield, he has to be aware that as a franchise quarterback, his mouth is a weapon. Right. And it can be whether he knows it or not. And clearly, either he doesn't know or he doesn't care. And it might be both. I think, I, I think at this point he doesn't care. I think what they've done is they've taken on the role of like, look, we are just going to be like the old Miami Hurricanes or the old Chicago Bears, like the 85 Bears, if you will. Like, we're coming out and we're just talking to talk. And hopefully their games, I'm in on them. What I, was I, the difference, though, in the Bears and they the Hurricanes? They won. Exactly. They were gangsters. So maybe this team will come out. Like, they've got all the weapons. And if I'm being honest, like I saw Freddie Kitchens in an interview regarding it, and he was kind of brash and a little bit like, yo, what is a bullseye? Like we're here to, you know, we're here to kick a team's ass and a team should be here to kick our ass. Like I think they're all kind of rallying around the idea of being this like brash talking, smack you in the face type of team. And if that, if that like galvanizes the troops, like I actually think they'd be a pretty good team this year. You're mentioning Freddie Kitchens. You were talking about the soundbite. Here it is. Listen to what he said. We don't care. We don't care. All right. It's already on there. So it doesn't matter. We'll be ready to play. I don't know what a bullseye is. I don't know what that is. Do anybody know? Do anybody know what a bullseye is? If they're not trying to beat our ass and we're not trying to beat their ass, I don't know what else you do. Because that's what we're going to try to do. Hopefully they try to do the same. Do we not have a bullseye on us just because we're in the NFL and we're playing on Sundays? We're going to get somebody's best effort? What does that tell you about the thing? That's like, 
being like disrespectful for the team you're playing if you don't think you're getting your best effort from them. What are they going to do? Set like ten starters or something? I don't understand that. Um, we're going to give our best effort every week, and I hope that we get theirs. Ooh, e Freddie Kitchens laying it all out there. Yeah. They are. So I don't know if it's taken on. So I do think teams take on the personality of their coach, right? Rex Ryan was head coach of the Jets. They had a lot of brass players, right? Maybe this team, and maybe this is why he was named head coach. And I don't know what came first, if it was Baker Mayfield's attitude or Freddie Kitchens' attitude. Right. Maybe they're just the perfect fit for each they other and why be. Baker wanted him as the head coach. Right. They are taking that Jimmy Johnson back at Miami with the Hurricanes or Ditka and McMahon and the crew and Chicago sure. of, hey, you want it? You better bring it. I mean, he's kind of, you know, he's saying, what's a bullseye? We obviously know what he's doing. I don't think the bullseye necessarily is going to come from other teams. He's right. You don't overlook teams. Nobody's going to look down on the Browns right. anymore after the season they had. I think it does come from the media members. And as a head coach, it's okay that nationally people have that bullseye on them. They're criticizing him. But if you don't succeed, you better believe that bullseye is going to be on from his own media, right. which can make your job a lot tougher to keep if you don't live no, up to this expectation. All of that is is true. Um, Mike D'Antoni used to say, like, you know, only one team – is going to win the championship, right? And if, if you're going to fall short of winning the championship, for some reason you can't win the championship, then at least be exciting. Like, give your fans something. And now, this, is what I'll, that. this is what I'll say about Cleveland. Like, aside from in Cleveland, I lived in Cleveland, and even when the Cavs were going to multiple finals, sports talk radio every morning revolved around the Browns. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It was incredible to, to, to experience that. But outside of Cleveland, who the hell has been talking about the Browns? Over, before Baker got there, before last year, no, not a, nobody. No, they were the laughing stock. They were the laughing stock. So they're at at worst, they are an exciting thing right now, right? Like people are going to be tuned in to see, you know, how good they can be, or to watch them fall flat on their face if if you're one of their haters. And that in and of itself is a win for Cleveland. You know, I actually think they're going to be a good team. I think guys like Odell, like you can be a motivated dude sometimes when when a team trades you and you feel it's personal. It's very rare that the team gets motivated. Yeah. Right, the team, the Giants are just gonna be the Giants. That's business Unless as usual. Keep calling them out. They, they don't give not a damn. Be that good. Those, like it, it's an organizational thing, right? So players in there aren't gonna be like, yeah, man, I'm motivated because Odell Del Beckham Jr. is taking shots at the G. Right. Like, they, how dare he take shots at the G? <laughs> right. Like, do you know what I mean? Players like whatever, bro. But Odell Beckham Jr. is gonna be motivated. You know what I mean? Personally, yeah. so the Browns will get the best version of him. Um, Baker Mayfield seems to wear that kind of chip on his shoulder, as does you know uh, Jarvis Landry. You know, you get Kareem Hunt back probably. Like, you are gonna, you have a motivated team. It's going to be exciting, if nothing else, in, in, in Cleveland. There really isn't an excuse uh, for the Browns not to be good. Right. It will be that it would be coming from within. Mm-hmm. Like, if they do – like, because I, I do think it's going to be all or nothing. I don't think there's going to be in the middle 8-8 eight and eight season. Right. I think it's either, hey, they're 12-4, and four, they're winning the division, and they're talking trash all the way through, or they're 4-12 and 12, you know, bickering at each other and Baker's a butt. You're like four and twelve. I'm, I don't think there's a middle line. That is no middle ground. No, I, I disagree I, with you on that. All right, you think there yeah, could be a middle ground? Uh, so we said that the coach, uh, the team takes on the personality of the coach. I do think that's the case with the Browns and maybe even the case with the Giants as they've responded. Listen to Pat Shermer's response. Okay. He's in a long line of people that criticize that move. So, I mean, that's that's his business. And if I were Dan, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even address it, just like he hasn't addressed all his other critics. The one thing about Dan is don't don't confuse calm and composed um, for a guy that's competitive and a winner. And I'm fond of the phrase, still waters run deep. And um, so that's what I think of Dan. 
beyond that, I have no other comment. Quite frankly, on our list of issues of the day, um, it really doesn't matter what Odell or Baker said. There's, there's many other things that we shot, should probably be discussing. Mm, all right. So you see a little bit different, more reserved. He's yeah. defending his quarterback, but a little bit more of a business-like approach. Both quarterbacks, Odell, or excuse me, Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones. He, Pat Shermer was saying, I don't think he should respond. Daniel Jones did respond. Uh, he said, I think there's a lot, a uh, lot of things that motivate me before something like that would talking about Baker's comments. Right. I think I'm a very passionate person. I don't always show it on Baker Mayfield specifically said, I think he's a great player. He can throw it and I enjoy watching him play. Taking I mean, the high road. I, I, taking the high road. He is. You would appreciate approach. that. Yes. You would appreciate that as I do. do I. I appreciate it. Um, they're just, there's not one answer for, for everybody, right? Like everybody who gets up to a podium isn't going to act or react the same way to a question. Uh, um, so I don't have a problem with Daniel Jones saying that. I think he handled it really well. I thought Pat Shermer was probably prepped by his PR team, right? And, and he handled it as well also. But I don't have a problem with someone going up there and being genuine if you're fiery and if you, if you want to talk, you know, the talk, you just have to be able to walk the walk. That's that's all I say about Baker. Like, yeah. And at times, pick and choose. There, there are ones that there are times where you've been asked a pointed question and you you want need to give an opinionated response. And there are other times where you might not have to go out of your way to throw someone under the bus. That's the only thing that I that and I have an issue with with Baker. Baker did respond on his Instagram, which I expected he would say something. Yeah. And this is kind of what I expected him to say. You know, it's kind of hey, they were taken out of context, which. He said, this is not what I said. Just so we're clear, I also said, I don't know how you go, this is not what I said, but I also said, uh, I was surprised I got drafted number one, then was talking about the flaws in evaluating QBs, where I brought up winning being important. Reporters and media will do anything for come up with a clickbait story. Heard nothing but good news, uh, good things, and wish nothing but the best for Daniel. So okay. no surprise there. that he, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't think he was going to double down on a beat. Like, yeah, that was crazy. I didn't think they should have taken him. Right. So he goes there. I just think he has to be careful. That's all. Be aware of every single thing you say is going to get scrutinized. And if and then if you and if you do say it. And don't say it's clickbait. Say, oh, this is the, this is the environment. We all know it's a clickbait society, so don't give them anything to even yeah. come close I to. I mean, especially since you've been the story, like the national story, like six times in yes. a year and a half. You should know by now yes. that whatever you're saying, unless you're telling someone, hey, this is off the record, like is right. going to be used, right? Like yep. You should know that. And that begs a bigger question. Like if, if you haven't learned from that and you're still surprised when it happens – you know, that that's that's a bigger issue. I ultimately think he doesn't care. Yeah, I don't you think he does I mean? either. So that's that's a big and that's yeah. that's what's confusing. It's sometimes he crushes Sam Ellinger, uh, the quarterback at Texas, which to me makes no sense. It like went back to high school rivalries, like you're in the NFL now, right. criticizing a college kid. And he dealt, he was like, I don't care. He's not he's not like he just crushed him. <laughs> like he doesn't care. Um so I think that's where it gets confusing is sometimes right. you say, Oh, I didn't mean this, and sometimes you just flat out lay it out there. So it kind of can be a little bit trickier. Mm -hmm. um, remember Mike Mayock said, hey, we've done everything. We need to find out if AB is all in or all out. Correct. Apparently, we might have our answer, according to John Gruden. Seems Antonio is all in since he's here. Is that a joke or what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, in. he's all in. That's what he said. Did he practice today? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. Is it a new helmet? It, it's a certified helmet, Vic. So he's he's all in, ready to go. That's that's my understanding, and uh, really happy to have him out here. He's he's 
he's a great player. All right, so I appreciate I appreciate him standing up for AB throughout this process. The good cop, bad cop type of deal that's going on with Mayock and Gruden. Like I, I appreciate that, right? Gruden's got to be the good cop. He's the coach, right? Right? I mean, yes. right? You have to do that. I appreciate it, but his body language, everything about the way he addressed those questions tells you just how much energy this has drained out of John Gruden. You can look at him and his face when posed these stupid questions about Antonio Brown. And and while he's saying the right things, you could tell that like I've got bigger issues to deal with as a head football coach about to enter an NFL season than than Antonio Brown, the questions about Antonio Brown and this damn helmet and yep. whether he's all in or all out. So I, you probably haven't seen Hard Knocks. It comes out late Tuesday night last night. I did get to watch it. Right. Um, one of the things, and I thought, because it, I don't know, the season's been interesting. It's had some good things, and then, man, it was going to get a little bit more. But there has been a lot of coverage of Antonio Brown and the helmet. And Antonio Brown, in one scene, did pull Gruden aside. And it, I didn't think it was forced. I thought it was pretty natural, yep. and it was a natural conversation. He said, hey, coach, I appreciate you having my back on all this. Yeah, I think that, right. I, and to, I think to a, a player, that goes a long way. Yeah, I do still think, though, Gruden there, it's all smiles. Is this a oh. joke? When we get to the regular season, this better not still be an issue, Correct. or he will have a problem with it. And that's one thing. The one, um, you know, Gruden was out of football for 10 years in the broadcasting booth. Last year was a disaster. I have been surprised at how progressive Gruden has been. I pictured him as old school. We're going to hit a lot. I'm not going to carry any nonsense around here. The fact that he's even been able to fake it, even if behind closed doors, he has been out there trying to defend Antonio Brown and downplay this. I've been surprised at how player-friendly he's been perceived or given to the media and probably to his players too. And I think it's a smart move for him to try to get into 2019 and, and realize today's player is a different player. That was a big question mark for me. And so far, he seems like he's embracing it. Yeah, he's he's done a great job navigating this, whether it's his idea or that's come from, you know, they're, organizationally they've uh, uh, figured out the plan that they want to approach this situation with. But like we talked about it the other day, what what you do know is that you just talked about today's player being different. Like Antonio Brown kind of epitomizes that. Do you know what I mean? So he's given you the formula for dealing with him and what not to do. That's what they did in Pittsburgh, which was to start kind of throwing him under the bus, alienating him, even even if it was justified, calling him out on things that, that he was doing wrong. He will tank it on you if you do that. Right. And you've made an investment in him. And by all accounts, he's going to produce on the field, right? Barring yep. any kind of major setback. Don't ruin it. Like, even if it even if it sucks to get up there in front of the media and have his back. Yep. Like, uh, treat it the way you're treating it right now. They've handled it properly. You don't want to turn Antonio Brown off. Whether you think an organization should have to do that or not, that's besides the point. Like, you got him. You know what he's going to do if you start pointing fingers and calling him out on this stuff. If you want him to play... Don't do it. Yep, for sure. Handle it right. We'll have to keep an eye on that as he is at practice now, AB, supposedly all in, I think. Yeah, we'll find out. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. 
From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Welcome back to Kinnell and Bell. Hanging on this Wednesday. College football just around the corner. We can't wait. We're even getting uh, chips picks in between the commercial. Like getting our gambling uh, 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 juices flowing a little bit. Let's bring in Chip Patterson right now from CBS Sports HQ. Covers so many sports for us for college football as well. To help us break down the Big Ten specifically. Chip, let's start off with Ohio State. They come out there to no surprise to anybody earlier this week. They named Justin Fields the starter um, big unknown. A lot of expectations. Ryan Day. What are your expectations for Ohio State this season? My expectations is that Justin Fields is going to put up some ridiculous numbers. And a lot of that comes from Dwayne Haskins, who, of course, was running Ryan Day's offense. And I'm starting to take some clues from the way that Ryan Day and that staff is recruiting for the future. A lot of wide receivers. I mean, think about five-star Garrett Wilson out of Texas. This is a freshman for Ohio State that is going to be Justin Fields' best friend. You put him with K.J. Hill. uh, You put him with the rest of those wide receivers. Victor Benjamin, another one down from the South Florida area. And he's just got so many weapons weapons around him, I think Ryan Day is going to put him in a position to succeed. But there is a big unknown, and I'm glad that you mentioned that, because Justin Fields only has 17 career starts to his name. That's high school and college. Compare that to Trevor Lawrence, same recruiting class, same state, right there in the state of Georgia. They're always next to each other. Trevor Lawrence had more than 70 career starts to his name. So Justin Fields, As the QB1 at the college level, a lot of unknown here. And, of course, we've got the quarterback depth there as a big issue. So I'm curious to see how much Ryan Day is going to want to run Justin Fields, knowing that if Justin Fields gets hurt, all of a sudden Ohio State at quarterback could get really, really dicey. Um, Look, let's talk about Big Blue and Jim Harbaugh um, and and his inability to beat Ohio State. Do you think that this is a year they, they get over that hump? And what does that mean for his future if they can't get over the hump? I do think that they're going to get over the hump. I mean, the game is in Ann Arbor. It just feels like we're we're trending that way. Urban never lost. I mean, and it's 14 out of the last 15. I've got to think that Shea Patterson with new offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, uh, they're starting to simplify things a little bit. I think it's going to be a little bit closer to what Shea Patterson did when he was at Ole Miss uh, than what he had to do with a more pro-style approach. Now, all of that said, uh, I am looking at Ohio State as the better team in that division. So it is interesting to think about Jim Harbaugh and the way that Michigan fans might respond to a year where I believe that Harbaugh and Michigan will be able to beat Ohio State at the end of the season, but yet I am also in the same breath picking Ohio State to win. I think Michigan fans would be cool with it. I think they just want to beat Ohio State. They won't care if they're not in the Big Ten championship game, if they're still celebrating a win against the Buckeyes in Ann Arbor. But all that said, the people close uh, to the Michigan program aren't necessarily viewing Harbaugh in the same way that everyone else is outside of the program where there's a lot of angst and anxiety. Why haven't you beaten Ohio State just yet? I think the graduation rates are good. I think the donations are up. I think everything around the Michigan football program is stable, and Jim Harbaugh knows that, and I think that's why he doesn't feel as much pressure as we are putting on him from the outside. Chip, we have a monster following. So do you. We put out the question to our listeners. Hey, why don't you bring some questions to us? It was hard to weed through them all and get just one. But we had Brendan Kudla weighed in and had a question about Michigan specifically and asked, do you read into Shea Patterson not being named a captain 
for the Wolverines this year. Be careful how you answer this question, Chip, because I'm going to give you a little tidbit after you answer it. I don't read into it because every single locker room is different. And sometimes uh, a captaincy being awarded is not necessarily a, a signal of that person being the most important voice. And Shea Patterson, you know, that is the, the quarterback position. So I, I'm not reading much into it. What's your tidbit? Well, I'm glad you didn't say because if you would have trashed him and said, what does it mean about his leadership? And like, I don't know, he might not have any voice in that locker room. My senior year at Florida State, I was not named a captain and it hurt a little bit. But then I looked at who Coach Bowden named a captain. It was Clay Shivers. He had been a four-year starter, All-American center. You know, he was, a, you know, entrenched there. I'd only started one year. Right. You know, and Shea Patterson hasn't been there as long as some other guys that have been around the program. So I don't think it's that big of a deal either. And you don't need to be a captain to be a leader. True. You know, just by nature right. of the position. True. Um, Chip, let me ask you about James Franklin and Penn State. Uh, you know, you had some comments about team being great versus elite and whoop-de-whoop-de-woo. Um, how close is Penn State to being an elite program again? They have elite talent at Penn State, but they are not a, quite an elite program because they've got to be able to get up in there. They've got to be able to jump above the Ohio State and the Penn State and it's translating that elite talent into elite performance on the field where they've fallen a little bit short. And, and I'll tell you what, this is a big year where I'm going to be looking at James Franklin and this Penn State staff, and the key word is going to be you know, player development. What is your player development like? Because some of those four stars, five stars, highly recruited guys that have come into the class, like this is right now when they're sophomores and juniors. This is right now when we're going to be looking and saying, okay, if you have identified the right players, if you've brought them into their program, and if you've assisted them in the development process to, in order for them to be the best college football players that they can be, then we should see those players pop. We should see those players flash. We're looking at a Penn State team right now not a lot of notoriety, not a lot of names on the depth chart that you're circling and you're saying like, hey, I, you know, we're so excited about this player taking over the Big Ten. You're like, K.J. Hamler could be that kind of player at the wide receiver position, but we've got a lot of things to sort out on the way to getting there. So if Penn State does start to show that pop and that flash, then James Franklin, who's a, a good recruiter and proven himself as a good recruiter, now all of a sudden I will give him good marks for player development because player development and in-game coaching are the last two pieces before I'm ready to look at James Franklin as an elite coach. A couple other fans had actually the same question, Joshua Grasmick and... One of my favorite uh, nicknames handles there, uh, Prosecco Poppy. Hey, yo. Uh, was asking about <laughs> Nebraska. Nebraska, anyone buying the hype train? You know, a lot of both questions, it was funny. Anyone buying into this Nebraska hype? I am to a point. Uh, you can understand why, but I also go back and say, well, this team was four and eight last year. Probably the reason I give them more of the chance is because their division isn't exactly strong. It's going to be wide open. And I say, hey, why not Nebraska? Where do you stand with Nebraska? I was to a point. You know, we talk about uh, numbers, like where's your buy, where's your sell, overs and unders after it hits a key number. Maybe you're flipping to the other side. I was buying Nebraska hype, all that you had to offer until about July. And then when we got to Big Ten media days and all of a sudden people are talking about Nebraska as the Big Ten division favorite, sell, sell, sell. I'm telling you, this is a very good Nebraska team, and Adrian Martinez is going to be an exciting quarterback to watch in year two with Scott Frost's offense, but I don't think that they are that much further along from the rest of the division. 
You mentioned it being wide open. I don't think it's a bad division. I think that you're looking at a Wisconsin team that is going to be looking for a big-time bounce back after going 7-6 and six a year ago, starting in the top 10, falling out of the rankings. A Minnesota team that's catching on with P.J. Fleck. An Iowa team that I really, really like. Northwestern, which, by the way, was in the Big Ten title game just a year ago and returned several key pieces from its defense. Listen, give me one through five in the Big Ten West throw them up. I can sort them in any order. And when I look at the Big Ten West that way, I can't believe that Nebraska is the clear-cut favorite in that division. So again, like you said, buying it to a point, I believe Nebraska can win that division, but I am stopping way short of calling them the clear-cut favorites. All right. Uh, The Eric Post asked why we have no faith in Purdue. Could it have something to do with the quarterback situation uh, there uh, at Purdue? Yes, it has to do with the quarterback situation. It has to do with the loss of a lot of veterans on the defensive side of the ball as well. Uh, I look at this Purdue season as though they are already won because they had a coach who heard uh, Louisville call. And Jeff Brom could have gone home and everyone would have understood. But the fact that he committed to Purdue and said, we still have work to do here, it has energized and invigorated the entire program But energy around the program and people being excited that your coach didn't leave, there will be a place where that stops short of being able to convert itself to wins. I think Purdue is still a bowl team. I've got them around six and six or seven and five, but I think that's the ceiling where I've got it. Rondale Moore is fantastic and one of the most explosive players in the country. But I don't think that just because a Purdue fan is excited Jeff Brom is back doesn't mean that an unbiased analyst should be able to put them at the top of the Big Ten West. Good stuff as always, Chip, man. Appreciate it. You're the best. Thanks. Y'all be well. All right. Good stuff there. Uh, fun games this weekend. Not only the Florida-Miami game, but the late game should be interesting too. There's Arizona. another game this weekend? Yeah, the late game, 1030. There's zero chance bro, you're going to see it. Bro. 1030 kickoff. Arizona traveling to Hawaii, but Khalil Tate back. Oh, I'll to watch that, get back to him. Arizona, right. Khalil Tate's fun to watch. Like when he's on, he yeah. is electrifying, right? Right, and yeah. when he's off, it can yeah, get a little get sideways. <laughs> so we'll have to see. And Hawaii has a quarterback, Cole McDonald, who, and they're going to throw the ball over the yard. So 74 was the number of the total it's the best set. state for producing quarterbacks, seriously. I was having this debate with Reggie Wayne yesterday at my son's football practice and we were talking about obviously you know my older one plays quarterback yeah and i was saying like state by state like florida doesn't really develop you don't hear about a lot of florida quarterbacks maybe you're starting to see more lamar more, jackson teddy bridgewater no, more now yeah. but historically like I mean, we have had them all but high school wise texas texas had a lot texas, drew Brees, yes. Nick Foles, hawaii um, yeah, Hawaii Hawaii's starting Marcus Mariota, Tua's coming out now. Right. They're starting to the come on the from, scene. The uh, kid from UCF, uh, Mackenzie Milton, all yeah. those kids. Oh, that's Hawaii, right. I forgot about kids. Mackenzie Milton. Yeah, Hawaii's kind of got anyway, a little pop-up pipeline going. Anyway, I was just thinking about it. It's going to be right. Florida, yeah. especially we see one Dia. Oh, what? Dia Bell getting out there. Welcome back to Kinnell and Bell. Um, goat conversations. LeBron, mm. MJ. Raja. Yeah, Raja. Kinnell. Obviously don't have those too many. Um, I kind of roll my eyes with some of them. Yeah. They're almost like you can go either way. Sure. Uh, it's very, you know, popular. People love to have the conversation. Philip Rivers was asked on Dan Patrick's show the other day about Tom Brady being the goat. And he said, well, hold on a second. He said, quote, how do you ever decide that? What if the C- Seahawks were to run it in and the Seahawks were to have won? Of course, he's referencing the play when Russell Wilson threw the pick on the one-yard line. Brady would have just played the exact same game. He didn't do anything different, you know. That's why I always think Marino is right there in the mix, too. All these guys, you can't just go off that Super Bowl wins. 
I don't think you can, not in this sport especially. Um, I hear his point, but if Brady doesn't have that, he's still got five. Yeah, like, right, still like, like, right. you say Super Bowl less now <laughs> yes. because he's like. Um, I do appreciate that he brings Marino. Like, I think Marino is the best pure passer in the NFL history. Stats, Super Bowls, everything aside. But I'm not going to make the case that he's the GOAT because Brady has a lot of things compiled that kind of give him the significant edge over Marino. And, I mean, a lot of people would say, what about Drew Brees? What about Peyton Manning? There's a lot of other quarterbacks. I just look at it from a pure throwing the football. Marino was the best. Uh, yeah, I can't. I'm not qualified enough to jump in on who is a better pure passer of the football, right? Mm-hmm. I do agree that the GOAT conversation is it's tough to get into uh it's hard one to navigate and you're splitting hairs because all of them are goats they're all great right right but when you're looking for the goat of the goats um i do think championships and and success have to factor in right because we can agree that all of them are great they're all great all-time quarterbacks and then it becomes like who was able to win more games and so you just showed the stat about you know the completion percentage and yards and all of that tommy brady if his numbers were drastically different than Drew Brees's, Peyton Manning's, Brett Favre's, Dan Marino's, and he right. just played on a great, phenomenal team, and he was a caretaker of sorts, a game manager, um, then maybe we could have the conversation of him not being the GOAT. But Tom Brady has slung it around the yard, too. His numbers are in the vein of those guys' numbers, and he's got the championships. He, he's got to be the GOAT. I totally agree. I mean, I, you won't hear any argument from me on that. That's one reason Terry Bradshaw has won four Super Bowls. Doesn't get often caught right. up in it's, that one because he was on an outstanding team. But he also played in a different era, which I think is interesting because I do think the eras have shifted even since Marino was playing, sure. which wasn't that long ago. There's, the rules have changed. What does Dan Marino do in this era? I mean, he throws 6,000 yards. I'm not joking. Like yeah. He's going to easily throw like we saw Patrick Mahomes throw 50 touchdowns last year. Marino might throw 60 touchdowns. Yeah. He just he throw, slung it every single time. Right. Uh, so you would see those numbers all of a sudden bump up. And what does that mean? But I do think you absolutely have to take uh, Super Bowl wins into the consideration when you go there. Um, Brady, um, I do think it's in, it's interesting when you say who is more important to the uh, Patriots dynasty. Is it Tom Brady or is it Bill Belichick? I unequivocally would say every single time it's the player on the field. The coaches are important, right. but it's the guys with the ball in their hands that are actually making the plays that always mean more than the coach. And it's not to, it's not to diminish what Belichick has done. Sure. But it's, it's, it, sports are about the guys on the field, not necessarily always the ones on the sideline. I think that is a, I, I would, I would give Tom Brady a, a, a fractional edge. Really? I would. Uh, because so I, what I, about MJ or Phil Jackson? Like who meant more to the, to well, the Bulls I, dynasty? I, one player in basketball makes a huge difference. True. Like one, you know, like one player is just going to change your whole fortune in basketball. That's why people salivate over that, like, you know, number one pick. Like you, you, you can take different models for winning football Super Bowls. Like you got defenses that are ridiculous. And to your point, Terry Bradshaw is there just making sure we don't turn the ball over. Yep. Trent Dilfer in it. You know what I mean? Um, or you can have a quarterback that, that does it. So I, I would argue that like the stability there, now Tom Brady's phenomenal. I just called him the goat, but the stability there. The protection that he has, the way they build those teams, like does he, Joey's point, not mine, we had it off air. What if he's playing behind a line like the Dolphins have right now? Right. Like can he do yeah. the things that he's, that he's been able to do if he's running for his life? Like, do you know what I mean? Like I they, would say, so his line was really bad a couple years ago when they actually lost in the AFC wildcard game against Denver and they brought back their offensive line coach, Dante right. Skarnakia, because of that game, but he still performed pretty well. Now he got exposed in that game. But all year he was masking up, ma- yeah. making up for that no, line. I, I think, I but. think it's, I think you're right. I think it's more Tom Brady, but I can't because they, he is playing the game. That's a valid point. I just think that, you know, the system that you get plugged into sometimes, man, if you can marry a talent like Tom Brady's 
and a system and a coach like the and stability like the Patriots have. That's why that's you wind up with dynasties. Yeah, for you know sure. What I mean, yep. Uh, there was some some video that went viral the other day. It was Carly Lloyd uh, from the U.S. Women's Soccer Team. She was out at the Eagles practice and was knocking in some field goals. Okay. I have a question. I wonder if it was one or more. Fifty-five yarders. She made a bunt. Her longest being this fifty-five yarder that went viral. Yeah. Um, couple things to notice uh, if you're watching. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm nipping because it's really impressive. Huh. She stroked that, though. She did. Absolutely stroked it. Yeah. Do you notice anything look different to you about her approach than a field goal kicker in Yeah, game? she's kind of straight on, right? Like, she's not off to the side. No, she's, she's further still, back. She's soccer stop, but look how far back she is. Yeah. She's getting a running start, which is what you see NFL kickers do on kickoffs. Right. You obviously can't because there wouldn't be that much time. Not to diminish what she's doing. I sound right. like I'm totally diminishing what she's doing. It's impressive. But I like people get out there and Joey's like, oh, she's like, she could kick for the Eagles and she could do this or that. I'm like, no, this is really cool. But yeah. let's let's keep a reality check here of where we are in the bigger picture. It's awesome that she can do that, showcase those skills. But if you have thoughts of her coming out there and playing in the NFL, there's still a long way to yeah. go and a much bigger jump she would have to take significantly. I mean, you only get two steps to go up and kick the ball. Um, so awesome. Yeah, it's, but, I mean, it's phenomenal. Yeah. But I'm not ready but, to go there yet either. Um, the other video that went viral, Devin Booker was playing some pickup hoops. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. this because this video went viral as well. <laughs> playing at a gym. Some other NBA players, Joe Kim Noah was yeah. on the court. Ben Simmons was on the court. Mm-hmm. And Tony was, Snell. Yeah, Tony, Tony Snell, Snell was out there. Yeah. And he was beefing, didn't like getting double teamed. Do we have it? Do we have the video? Because I know we did during the break. Oh, here, here we go. What, right, check go. ball. Ben Simmons and D. Yeah, it looks like Justice Winslow with the ball up top. Yep. Let's see. Boom over to Tony. Down the corner. In the corner. Who's he being? Here comes the help. Guy. Where's the help? Get the trap in the corner. Uh, there it comes. Hey. Hey. Oh. Hey, bro, we're not dumb in open gym, bro. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Hey, but look. All right, so he's beefing that there's an there's a double during an open gym. Whose no. side are you on? Ultimately, ultimately, I'm on Joakim Noah's side. Right. Because I'm in open gyms. I'm trying to win. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I do understand the frustration of being doubled in open gym when you're trying to work on your stuff. What I would say to Devin is you get doubled a lot in your games. Yeah. Like maybe maybe <laughs> use that time to practice on escaping double teams or getting it out and then relocating, getting it back, and then going quickly and efficiently instead of holding it in an ISO situation. I have been – like at the NBA level, I wasn't a guy who got double teamed in the summertime. Right. So I never had to feel that. So I never but cared. But you were a defensive specialist. Did no, you ever defend and ask for help or go trap somebody no, like I that? No, I was kind of understood. Like we're not, we're not really double. So there was an But – but, I'm trying to win an open gym. Like when you have 15 guys in an open gym, if you lose, you got to get off the court. Right. I ain't trying to get off the court. I get stiff. I get, I, it's hard for me to warm back up again. So I'm going to do what I have to do to win the game. So like ultimately, I think 51% of me agrees with Joakim Noah, 49% Devin Booker. Nobody wants to be double teamed in a pickup game. Is there, you said the guys want to win because they want to stay on the court. Anything more at stake than that? Like are there, are there any, any bets that take hand in those pickup games um, in open gym? We didn't bet in our, right. no, we didn't. We and it doesn't seem like they are either. I was just curious to know like you know hey if there was something because you know, oh, golfers that, famously if we're bet. betting all, right. all bets are off <laughs> exactly. like I mean, you're doing no whatever it takes right. to win what did kobe say i didn't see his quote also oh, will my conroy waited oh. on kobe and uh-huh. said that when they used to run open gym so he said i remember being the lakers in preseason 06 and during our open runs our runs we doubled kobe constantly not once did he get mad not once did he pass lol <laughs> he said y'all better send three to guard me by the way that's the year he had 60 plus and didn't play the fourth against dallas but that's what i'm saying dog. that's the mamba mentality all fair and love in basketball, baby. Do you, real quick, I wanted to cap on this because I did see uh, Joakim Noah worked out with the Lakers along with 
Dwight Howard. I do like Noah's mentality. He's a he's an instigator. He's, he's a guy that you love to have on your team. Maybe you hate to play against. I think his type of edge could actually help them. I like that move way more than I like the Dwight Howard move. All things being considered equal, and I don't know that they are, right. like physically or where their games are at in this part of their career, but I too would err on uh, the side of Joakim Noah. I think more of a winner, if I'm being, and it's just my personal opinion, um, willing to do more of the of the grunt work. Dwight, yeah. Dwight's used to being like the face of the thing. I mean, not so much lately, but that's the way he was brought up. I think Joakim was, is buying in. Everywhere he goes, those teams win for the most part. He brings something to the table. Uh, I go with Joe Keaton.